0: Your allegiance is going to be tested. God doesn't allow you to put you in positions in Rome, God help me, in Babylon for you to act like the Babylons. Even when He blesses you in Babylon, you got to hold on to your commitment to Jerusalem.
1: I will bless the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart.
0: I want to use today as a subject, don't bow
1: to the pressure.
0: Tap your friend and say, I know it's rough, but don't bow to the pressure. Look at somebody and say, I know your back might be against the wall, but don't bow to the pressure. Look behind you and say, I know that it's a struggle, but don't bow to the pressure. Put your hands together and give God praise. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Dr. Eugene Peterson describes the world in which we live as one of agnostic indifference. Meaning that we live in a world where a lot of people are undecided about the existence of God. And number two, they have very little interest in God. A world that is no friend to grace. Dr. Peterson says that a person who makes a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and some of you can attest to this, does not find a crowd immediately forming to applaud their decisions. Nor does the devil roll out the red carpet and throw a party because you've decided to follow Jesus. Nor do you find your homies or your road dogs that you used to run with gathering around to offer congratulation and counsel. Rather, we find that we are living in a time when neither the adventure of goodness nor the pursuit of righteousness or excellence makes the headlines. It's an unfortunate thing, but no Oscars are given for holiness, for righteousness, For integrity, for character and servanthood. At the end of the year nobody compiles a list of the ten best-lived lives. The world demonstrates no real demand for mature, blessed, whole, authentic individuals who sincerely try to live and put their faith into practice. The world demonstrates no real demand for people who have been captured by a vision of God's preferred future for their lives. But instead, we live in what Eugene Peterson calls a world of agnostic indifference. A world that erodes faith, dissipates hope, and corrupts love. A world that does not challenge us. To put our faith into practice. For essentially and existentially, according to the Apostle Paul, the believer is called to participate in a spectacular journey. To live and to die like Christ. To model our lives like Christ to the degree that we bear within us the very image of Christ and the mind of Christ. We're living in a world of agnostic indifference, and even Christians are practical atheists because what we believe is only good for the few hours that we are here. God, help me preach this on Sunday morning. Perhaps that is why in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul describes the people of God as a colony of heaven. This suggests that we are strangers who live in a strange land. This world, one songwriter says, is not our home. We are just passing by. Our hopes and our treasures are all laid up on high. This is why in our hearts, the Bible said, eternity has been set in our hearts to the degree that after you live for so long and you deal with so much, and you deal with so much drama and so much tragedy and so much trauma that you find yourself longing for a better place. This is because we are not permanent residents, we are resident aliens. The believer is a resident alien. Tap your friend said you got a green card. We are resident aliens trying to stake out an existence. On somebody else's turf. And we are living in a time where the prince of the air. The adversary, the devil, knows that his time is short. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. We are called to be different. We live by different values. We have a different story. We walk according to a different standard. And it is in this sin-inhibited world of agnostic indifference that you and I have been called to be salt and light. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find out that it is not always easy. Tap your friend said say it ain't easy. To live as a stranger in a strange land. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Somebody ought to tell the truth and shame the devil. That it's not just hard out here for a pimp. It's hard out here for a Christian. I don't have no help. I'm talking about if you really try to live right. I'm not talking about if you just, you know, this patty cake. You know, you talk one thing and you do something else. I'm talking about if you really try to put your faith into practice. And as Barry White would say, practice what you preach and don't be a hypocrite and don't live a carnal existence. It's not just hard for a pimp. It's hard to be a Christian. But greater is he that is in us, come on talk to me somebody, than he that is in the world. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to to discover that it's not easy always to live as strangers in a strange land. For Christianity is an invitation to be a part of an alien people who don't just think right, but live right. See, if all I had to do was think right, most of my battles would be over. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me, but that's okay. I came for you today. If all I had to do was just think right and not do right, If I could just treat life like an essay question, give the right answer, but never have to put this into practice, life would be easy. Matter of fact, life would be a bed of roses. But for many of us who will tell the truth, our greatest struggle is the tension between thinking right and living right. It's the challenge of living an integrated life living out the practical and ethical implications and implementation of my faith in my life, my choices, and my behavior. In other words, we don't just need good morality. We got good morality. What we don't have is a set of ethics, behavior that matches what we think. Nobody going to talk to me, but that's okay. For most of us, The struggle would not be nearly as great if the only requirement was just thinking right. For anybody who has really tried to live right can testify that one of the things that makes the struggle between living right and thinking right so challenging is that there is the ever-present temptation to compromise our conviction and standards. I wonder is there anybody in here bold enough to tell the truth that most days you are tempted in some way to compromise. (laughs) Am I on anybody's street today, on anybody's front porch today, who can admit in the presence of God and these witnesses that the very thing you say you're not going to do The very thing you say you're going to stop doing is the very thing you find yourself tempted. Come on here. I came for you today to participate in. Oh, after a service like Sunday night. The power of God in the room. The heavens are open. And you walk straight out the doors and the enemy meets you face to face. Come on, come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. That there are days that you are tempted to go back on your standards, to compromise your convictions, to not just think right, but challenge to live right. If you understand this challenge, you understand the dilemma that Shadrach, Meshach, I call him a bad negro, found themselves in. Most of us know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego quite well. These three young men along with their friend Daniel were taken captive from Israel and exiled to Babylon because King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Jerusalem. In fact, God used King Nebuchadnezzar as an instrument for their spiritual development, their sinfulness, their idolatry. Their spiritual authority placed them in a state of alienation with God. And the fact of the matter, because they refused to return to God, God allowed their enemies to be used as an instrument for their spiritual development. They were captured and taken into exile, taken into Babylon, separated from their homes separated from their temple, separated from their language, everything that uniquely made them the people of God. They were cut, tap, captured and taken into exile under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter one tells us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young people. Tap, tap, somebody say they were young folk. And I hope the young people that are in here today are paying attention to this because there is this myth That God only uses old folk or that you have to be 40 or 50 years old before God can really use you. But when we read the scripture, we find that a number of people who made significant contributions to the kingdom of God were not full grown adults, but they were children who were committed to the God of their salvation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were youth, the Bible says, without blemish. They were well favored in appearance, skillful in wisdom, discernment, and understanding. They were apt in learning, knowledge, competent to stand and serve in the king's palace. These were some of the best and the brightest that were taken into captivity and they planned to assimilate them into the language, the literature, and the mores of the Chaldeans and Babylon. But even though they changed their name. Changed their location and tried to change their diet with the hope of assimilating them into a foreign environment. These three boys and Daniel purposed that they would not defile themselves with the king's food, nor would they forget their God or their country. And I need to tell you that initially, life wasn't too bad for them. They got some good government jobs. They had some good places in the government. They had favor with the king. But their civil service routine was interrupted one day when they found out that the megalomaniac king that they worked for wanted everybody to gather in the plain of Dura for a team building exercise. And the team building exercise was that he had built a statue because he was so in love with himself and did not recognize that even though he was a king, he was not a god. He had erected a statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide made of solid gold. Somebody said gold. Gold was the substance of highest commercial value. It was the gravitational center of the Hellenistic economy. Thus, the message that the empire wants to sin then and now is that gold is God. Mammon is God. And that there's nothing that could stand against this God. He built this statue of gold and set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon and basically demanded that every civil servant everybody that worked for the government had to participate in his idea, come on here, of this team building exercise. He said, look at here, look at here, when you hear the music and to show you just what a dog and pony show it was, they invited everybody that was somebody, all the potentates and magistrates, all the protocol that they didn't even know to call, all the folk that thought they were important and the folk that wasn't, everybody, somebody say everybody, everybody was invited to the dog and pony show. Uh, if you were going to be, practice civil disobedience, this would not be the time. Tell your friend, say, sometimes, you know, sometimes just ain't the right time for you to be civilly disobedient. Some, some moments just ain't the right moments. Some of y'all feeling me up in here. You know how you are when you get in places where everybody, somebody is supposed to be there and they expect you to pretend like you ain't who you are? Come on here. Oh, but I came to tell somebody that there comes a time when you can't care who is on the guest list. When you know who you belong to. Whether you in the White House or the, you better act like you belong to Jesus. You better tell somebody say, I don't care who in the audience. I don't care who on the guest list. When it's time for me to acknowledge who I am and who I know I belong to, I don't care who they roll out the red carpet for. For God I live and for God I die. Is there anybody that can put your hand together and give God some praise? The civil servants, Reverend Tyson, we invited to the dog and pony show. Nebuchadnezzar invited everybody that was somebody to the celebration, the inauguration of this statue that he had built to himself. So in love with himself. So out of touch with the God of the universe. He says, look at here, I got a whole orchestra. I got everybody on instruments. I got flag. I got Mario. I got... I got Sean and Jimmy. God help me. I got Thomas and Brian. I got everybody. I got the orchestra to play. And this, these are the rules of the game. The rule is that when the music plays, everybody needs to bow down. Somebody said bow down. To the golden image. He doesn't leave any room for anybody to be out of compliance. The assumption is... That when the music plays, everybody's going to bow. And you know what they said when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. But the problem is, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Rome, but they still had a commitment to Jerusalem. I don't hear nobody saying nothing. There comes a time when your allegiance is going to be tested. God doesn't allow you, put you in positions in Rome. God help me. In Babylon, for you to act like the Babylons. Even when he blesses you in Babylon, you got to hold on to your commitment to Jerusalem. I will bless the Lord. I don't hear nobody helping me. At all times, his praise shall continually Be in my soul shall make us boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. If you can praise him in here, you need to be able to praise him at FedEx. You need to act like you know him at the school board. You need to act like you know him when you're in your office with your window that looks over the river. It ain't enough for you to shout in here. You gotta be bold enough that when you're in your job with the good government, You ought to tell somebody with your good government job. You got to be bold enough to let somebody know who you belong to. Mm -hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. Mm -hmm. Tap your friends, so they got the memo like everybody else. Is there anybody in here you get the memo like everybody else? They got the memo like everybody else. They heard what the penalty would be. But they love God more than they love their position. I don't hear nobody saying nothing. You ought to tell somebody, and it comes a point you got to love God more than you love your position. You gotta love God more than you love the trappings that come with the assignment that you have. They knew what the law said, they loved the Lord and they purposed in their hearts that they would serve him no matter what. The precarious predicament that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego find themselves in is indicative of the struggle that many of us face when we are tempted to sell out to the empire. When we're tempted not just to bow to a golden image, but to sell out to Babylon. In the Bible, Babylon is more than just a city. It's an empire. It represents a system that wants to suck you in. Babylon is not just a physical location but it represents a system that's constantly tugging for our assimilation. It is a system that started in Genesis chapter 10 with the work of Nimrod who rebelled against the Lord. It substitutes for what God gives us. We see Babylon in the Tower of Babel when they built a tower in their rebellion against God and human attempt to worldwide political Sovereignty and religious sovereignty. This is what can happen when we allow ourselves to get in agreement with evil. This is what can happen when we lack the theological resources to resist evil. This is what can happen when we slowly but surely, little by little, compromise our theological position and conviction. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a gradual acquiescence. Tap your friend and say, "You don't get, I didn't get messed up overnight. What you find is that you start out with a mind to serve the Lord. But little by little, there come these defining moments that are designed to dilute and pollute. Oh, God help me. Our faith and our witness. You know and dilution can happen just a little bit at a time. You know you can dilute a drink with a little something and it still tastes like the real thing. But if you dilute it enough eventually the original strength, y'all ain't gonna help me, is lost. And when we are tempted to bow to Babylon We are being tempted not just to bow to a statue or an image of gold, but we are tempted to bow to those things that will dilute and pollute our witness and our faith. It's how the church could stand by and watch Hitler exterminate six million Jews. It's how the church could come to church on Sunday morning and sing about a God of love and practice slavery against people who were not of the same skin tone. It's how the church can say that we thank God for being a God who is a whosoever will and still be guilty of sexism and classism. It's how the church and the nation can claim to be Christian and Judeo-Christian in its values And then worship the God of patriotism when we bomb nations that kill villages that are filled with innocent children. I say in the name of worship, in the name of our political and economic interests, we find ourselves in some precarious positions to bow to Babylon, to bow to a counterfeit system that dilutes our witness and our faith in Jesus Christ. It would be real easy to just make this a text about piety, about personal relationship with God. But a personal relationship with God that is not impacted by a horizontal relationship with God is not a full relationship with God. For spirituality is not just from the neck up. Spirituality ought to impact, not just how you interact with God, but how you interact with people. Spirituality ought to have an effect on the policies and the standards, I see y'all ain't gonna talk to me, that govern your life. We cannot come in here and shout about worshiping the God of Jerusalem and then be unethical in our practice. But every time you bow to Babylon, God, ain't nobody gonna help me. We find ourselves diluting and polluting our faith. This is why you can come in here, when I start preaching about stuff, they won't know it's Pastor Mad, man. ain't man. I'm just trying to challenge the people of God so that we understand that a relationship with God is not just what looks good on paper. You got some folk that look good on paper that make you think they can sell ice water to an Eskimo. But the rubber meets the road with our practices back up our words. You ought to slap somebody says about practicing what you preach.
1: Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. Like what you've heard? You can purchase this message by visiting www.christmbc.org slash store or by emailing us at orders at christmbc.org. Be sure to mention the title of the message. We are one church in two locations. Join us at one of our two locations at 8 a.m. at our East location at the Esplanade, Memphis, located at 901 Cordova Station, Cordova, Tennessee, 38018, or at 10 a.m. at our South location, located at 480 South Parkway East, Memphis, Tennessee, 38106. May God continue to bless you is our prayer.